Here you leave today and enter the world of Hilt Radio. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hilt Radio. It's here you leave today and enter a world of incoherent ramblings from myself, Liam, and then some somewhat intelligent, sometimes <laughs> coherent thoughts from my wife. I'm Brittany DeCosmo. Thank you that I'm just somewhat intelligent. Well, let's be honest. You did marry me. Oh, so good they're, 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 I already get some points knocked off. <laughs> That's the deductions. Those are the deductions right there. Oh, I like you. Somebody has to. You, My mom thinks I'm great. <laughs> the kids love you. <laughs> well, Yay! Within, within reason. Within reason they do. So uh, it hasn't actually been all that long. I think people were probably anticipating like, oh, there's the once a year episode. Uh, yeah, so, our annual episode. Yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll, we'll maybe we'll talk to them again in uh, 2022. But uh, it actually looks like this episode will come in just just under the bar uh, for 2021. Nice. So we'll have like a whopping three episodes for 2021. <laughs> Pretty well, big numbers there. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're definitely, you know, slowly improving what we do and yeah. how we do it. I think we are finding more and more time to fit this into our schedule. I mean, granted, Nana is here playing with the kids. So that is why this episode is happening. Which was super funny. This episode brought to you by Nana. Right. Which is super funny because Brittany was like, hey, uh, my mom might come over today. And I was like, cool. That means we can record an episode. And she was like, yep. <laughs> so Thumbs up. Yep. So the kids are distracted. Nah, Nana is being forced to play whatever games it is that the kids are having her play today. And we're sitting at the other end of the house. Plushies. Plushies is the game. I want to know, parents out there, are your kids playing plushies? Like that, I feel like that is really big right now where all of the kids loved, I mean, kids love stuffed animals anyway, but plushies for some reason the last couple years have been so huge with Remy. Yeah. I mean, always, but definitely since YouTube has been more a thing that he was able to watch because we didn't always let him watch YouTube. But more recently, you know, playing video games and things like that, you kind of want to watch the YouTubes where they give you the hints and, you know, do all that fun stuff where they play Twitch. It's basically like the Twitch. Is that what that medium, medium yeah, is called? Yeah, Twitch? I think so. Okay. Well, because that's like where the, people play. Yeah. You watch them play. Their little heads in the corner and they're like, oh my gosh, look, yeah, give okay. running commentary on the games yeah, I'm playing. Yeah, so that's a Remy thing right now. But to go along with that, he watches a lot of videos where people play with stuffed animals from these games or whatever, movies and shows. And that's all he wanted for Christmas was like plushies from everything he loves. And so he has, our couch is covered yes. in, in stuffed animals. Do your kids do this too? Yes. Is this an only our kid thing or is this a, a, across the universe, <laughs> across the Spider-Verse? <laughs> Every, everybody is is dealing with this as well. Uh, but yeah, happy happy belated Christmas to those that celebrate. Yeah. Uh, for those that celebrate anything else or happy do not holidays. celebrate at all. Yes, we'll we'll do the uh, <laughs> the ever obnoxious happy holidays. Because I know there's like people are very against others saying happy holidays like as though, is, as though it's like a slight against christmas it's like it's not you like, say merry christmas or yeah it's nothing well i think it's uh well if you want me to say merry christmas to you because you celebrate right. christmas absolutely i'll say that mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna just blanket assume everybody celebrates right. christmas yeah so or ha- that and or that people even want to have a happy christmas maybe some people want to have a miserable christmas i don't know or just don't want to celebrate this year maybe they celebrate in years past but this year's just not a good year i mean i don't know almost third year of the pandemic here <laughs> yeah. so people are just not in the mood for to be happy for christmas <laughs> but i remember in the service industry 
you very much got people who were obnoxious. And if you told them as they're leaving, I remember way back when I first started as like a hostess and saying, okay, happy holidays, because that was just the easiest thing for me to say, because I don't know what anybody's celebrating. So happy holidays to you. And you'd get some people who were like, you can say Merry Christmas, or they would say Merry Christmas in like a rude way. And you're just like, gosh, like, just be happy. I said anything to you. If not, I'm not even going to open the door for you next time. No. Well, the the male person, uh, I saw her like come to drop off a package and I was outside or whatever. And I was like, happy holidays. And she was like, she said, Merry Christmas. And like, that was it. And that's fine. It's like, if she wants to wish us that, cool. And I wished her happy holidays because I didn't want to make an assumption because you know what? They say about making an assumption makes an ass out of you an umption. Uh, so it's, <laughs> you know, I think it's, it, it's interesting, right? It's always interesting this time of year, like where people are going to get offended. Yeah. <laughs> I think things. holidays bring out the best and worst of people. Yes. So hopefully you guys were happy this holiday season. Would it, yeah. Whatever it is that you yeah. celebrate, as long as it was happy, healthy, and you guys enjoyed the time with or without family, then you know, that's, I think that's all that matters, but at least whether you did or didn't, you get to also enjoy some time with us now. Yeah. So I think, uh, while we enjoyed our holidays, one of the cool things we were able to do was actually go to the theater again, which we hadn't done in almost two years. Cause right. the last time I remember going to a movie theater would have been star Wars. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure we went in March. I want to say we went that first or second week of March literally the week before or the week of everything being closed down because we watched, oh gosh, I feel like it was an animated movie or maybe it was like a live action. When did Aladdin come out? No, that was a long time ago, huh? mm, I think Aladdin was May. Okay. I don't know. It was a random, oh, it was animated. Oh, 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 Onward. Oh, that's right. We watched Onward. And that was either, okay, February. Maybe it was February. And I think that one was, we left Winnie at home and your mom came yeah. to our house and watched her at our house and we took Remy to go see Onward. Mm-hmm. But the, the last time, and before Spider-Man, the only time we took Winnie to the theater with us was for Rise of Skywalker. Right. Because I very much wanted that to be her first cinematic experience, even though she was not going to remember it. She was two months old. Mm-hmm. But Remy's first actual movie in the theaters, although he had seen, I want to say Ant-Man, at the, at drive-in, the drive-in and yeah. there was something else. He might've seen Ant-Man and then he might, might've seen, um, uh, age of Ultron. Both was it age, at, age at, of Ultron? I think both of those ones, cause he was less than a year. So mm-hmm. those ones, he saw that. And then we saw, um, force awakens. I know we went to the drive-in a lot yeah. that summer. So I, know. I feel like there was the one with the mechs too, or maybe that was the year before. I don't know what the movie's called. And, I know I just Elba, the what? like the big. Um, oh, Pacific Rim. Pacific yeah, Rim. Yeah, Pacific Rim. No, that was no before. way yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't so, know. Right, the years start they to blend. blend. Yeah, yeah. Brit- Brittany and I have been together for twelve years now, so almost married for ten. Yeah, yeah this coming oh. May will be ten years now. Dun, dun, dun. Congrats to us. But yeah, it was. Uh, so back to the theater experience. So we have a local theater called Maya. Um, Maya cinemas because we won't go to Regal anymore because they've changed from Coke to Pepsi (laughs) and that just ruins your cinematic experience. Uh, Sorry, Tim, it does. Stop trying to push your trash panda garbage water on us. Uh, So yeah, and honestly, that's not really the reason. It's just the Regal cinemas around here don't have a crying room. Maya cinema does. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, the only downside is you can't book it in advance. You kind of have to show up, ask if it's available 
and cross your fingers. Mm -hmm. So we showed up about 40 minutes early for Spider-Man. I think we showed up at 12.05. It was going to be shown at 12.45. And luckily the crying room was available. So they took us right up. Yeah, lucked Uh, out. We, you know, we got snacks and whatnot, and then they they took took us right up. We were able to sit, and I actually think that the kids did pretty well. I think it's it's difficult because when you're in that setting where you are removed, there isn't the same sense of like, oh, I have to be quiet. And like, obviously, right. Winnie wouldn't have that because she's two. Yes. But Remy was usually really good in the theater. Moana was the first one we took him to where he sat silent and was totally into the movie the mm-hmm. entire time. We actually went and saw it twice in the theater for that exact reason. And then after that, he was always really into seeing movies. Mm-hmm. Certain ones he would fall asleep if they were a little bit longer. Uh, but we were kind of interested to see, because it's been like two years, how he was going to react. Uh, and I think he did pretty well. There was a couple times where I was like, hey, bud, like, settle down. Try to focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Winnie, anytime Spider-Man would be on screen, she would go, <laughs> Spider-Man. So she was super excited. Yes. Winnie is a huge Spider-Man fan. I mean, everybody in this family is. But as of late, Winnie is Spidey obsessed, probably because of Spidey and his amazing friends on Disney Junior. So that could be a reason. But also, I just think Remy has so many Spider-Man toys that those were the toys she chose to play with and lucked out. We got to see the new Disney Junior Spidey show. So that's like on repeat for her. And then there were some other things, too, that she watched. But so going to the theater to see Spider-Man as in like her first, I guess, movie theater experience other than sleeping through uh, (laughs) Rise of Skywalker. I think it was pretty successful. There's no way we could have done it in the regular theater because she was standing and walking around the seats and, you know, bouncing up and down on the chair because her weight doesn't keep it down. (laughs) So, yeah. And then the kids, you know, eating popcorn and asking for things and stuff like that. So crying rooms, if you have kids that, you know, aren't going to stay quiet. I think if we take Remy on his own, we know he can sit in the theater because he's done it for so many years. Yeah. But there's just no way Winnie, Winnie doesn't know. She didn't have those experiences like Remy did. So well, you think about like car rides, right? Where Remy has always done really well with car rides, but because we've taken him on so many trips to Disney, whereas Winnie really didn't get that because she was born in the year of the pandemic. So it's been kind of difficult. But she did well on our Disney trip earlier this year. I think in June. In June. She actually surprised us where she slept most of the way and was pretty calm when she did wake up in the LA traffic like every kid does. Yeah. And she did awesome, I think, for someone who wasn't used to that. I want to say she cried for like maybe 20 minutes. And because she's in the back seat in her car seat and then Remy's in his, like he was there to kind of try to help distract her. Whereas when we would drive, he would wake up, start crying and you'd have to reach your hand back and hold his hand Mm -hmm. while we would drive through the LA traffic. Yep. Um, and you being a new mom, you would get so distraught because you're like, he's crying and I can't hold him. So, so sad. yeah, so I think you were maybe our patience runs out a little bit more with child, too. So we were a little bit like, <laughs> you're fine. Stop crying. You're fine. She did good, though. And I think for any future Disney trips, I think she'll be pretty OK with it because she knows what it's like now. I think she'll like it better when she can face forward. Yeah. You know, I think that'll be more like, oh, I can visually see everything instead of like, oh, I'm staring up at the sky. And now you have things like iPads, uh, just everything's a distraction. So iPads and switches Mm -hmm. and taco versus burrito. I mean, we've got all the good stuff now. (laughs) Uh, But how was your how was your Christmas? 
Well, I mean, you weren't there to celebrate with I us. I wasn't. So this was this was the first year that I was not here for Christmas. Shut up. I was asleep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he wishes. Oh, man. It would be nice to catch up on some sleep. It was a nice Christmas. I think it was... It was our first Christmas in our new house, so we were lucky enough to have our immediate family come here, and we did Christmas at our house. Usually, we go over to my parents' house, and we do Christmas there, but everybody wanted to come here, I'm guessing, with, you know, new home and having the space to fit everybody in, like, our old house where we didn't. Didn't. We were all crammed (laughs) in that little house. felt very much like a a townhouse to me. It did. Oh, 100%. So. It was nice to have everybody over, make breakfast for everybody, and just, you know, the kids got to open up their gifts, and Remy was pretty pumped on getting a drum set. Electronic drum mom set. mom is. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's not as loud as a, a regular drum oh, set. Oh, man. So yeah. That's nice. But yeah, I had an awesome Christmas. What about you? Yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I was I was really glad we were able to get into the house and get situated well enough, like even before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was nice to kind of have everything the way that we would want it. Like we really haven't been able to do any decorating on the walls yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's the Peter Pan poster is the only one that's up at the moment, uh, at the end of the hallway, but everything else is still like bare naked walls. So I will be excited once we kind of, uh, design the gallery walls and get everything situated. We actually just got three prints from, uh, Jacob Doney. Yeah. Uh, who is a tattoo artist out of L.A. Mm-hmm. And he did some uh, like Sailor Jerry esque like traditional style tattoo pieces of art. And we got the three that he did that were Disney art. And one of them is for Pirates of the Caribbean uh, that says Dead Men Tell No Tales. They did, He did a Haunted Mansion one that says uh, uh, Welcome uh, Foolish Mortals. Foolish Mortals. And then he did another one that just says Disneyland and it's the castle with Mickey's head in a uh, in a traditional style rose. Uh, they just arrived today. I'm seriously so excited. I cannot recommend enough like how awesome these look. Uh, and I'm excited to get them framed and get them up on the walls here in the in the office. podcast room, the office room. Yeah, I'm excited too. They're gorgeous. So if you need to go like look at them on Instagram, I don't know what his handle is, but I'm fine. I know it. it's like what traditions tattoos or something. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, it's beautiful. His colors are gorgeous. It really just makes me want to go to the tattoo shop and get some new tattoos. It's been so many years for me, but I'm also, you know, a big baby, so. You are. So <laughs> you can go to, you can follow him on Instagram. It's Jacob, J-A-C-O-B, Doney, D-O-N-E-Y, tattoo. So just at Jacob Doney Tattoo. And then you can also go to his website, which is uh, traditionscollectioncompany.com. And he is based out of Marietta, California. Nice. So, so Cal. Uh, but yeah, I would I would highly recommend it. At least go check it out. You will be doing your eyes a favor. So uh, we didn't want to get super into the Spider-Man film because it is still relatively new. And we've got close friends, i.e. Tim Page, uh, that has <laughs> not been able to see it as of yet. Uh, so we aren't going to do any spoilers. I just kind of want to do surface impressions and how you think this kind of stacked up in the Spider-Man pantheon and then as well as like the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do a full-on Spider-Man deep dive in a in a future episode. Uh, maybe one once Tim has seen it, we can actually have him on and he can talk about it with us. Uh, but I did pop on What Up Fandom with our good friend Josh Kane. Um, and I talked about the movie. It is spoiler heavy, so I would only go and listen to that episode uh, if you've seen it. I, uh, and that episode should be out, I think, next week. So we'll, we'll post a link or something to it once it's, uh, once it's available. But we went, we went a little bit more 
deep dive into it. But for you, like, how did this one stack up in terms of not just the Tom Holland trilogy, but all of the Spider-Man cinematic films since 2002? Oh, goodness. I hated it. Uh, probably worst Marvel film. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing, yeah, right? Yeah, I just, the hype was so big. I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm When we do this episode, it's just going to be us, like, raving about the film because it's amazing. I'm sure there's, like, plot holes there somewhere. But honestly, I don't care. It it all works for me. I love the surprises. I loved um, just everything about the film. I want to say it's probably my number one Spider-Man film. And that even takes out into the Spider-Verse for me. Wow. All right. But I did, like, I think for the Tom Holland series there, I liked those films. I think they were neck and neck with Into the Spider-Verse, but this one just... Blows it out of the yeah. water. Yeah. I, I don't know. It For animation, I mean, they're so different because animated and then live action, but I guess you kind of get the same type of vibe, you know, the whole multiverse and whatnot with both of them. They're kind of same similar stories. So yeah, I think I would take the live action one. So what's interesting about this too is that this is the first... Marvel trilogy that has had the same director for all three films. Nice. John Watts. John Watts. Yeah. yeah. So John Watts. So even though Sam Raimi is the first one to do a Spider-Man trilogy completely on him, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Webb obviously was only able to do two when Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Uh, but with John Watts, he's the first MCU director to be able to direct the entire trilogy. That's so cool. I thought that was really cool. And so far, the box office is, is, it has made $1.161 billion. Wow. So it is cleared a billion. Uh, I'm not surprised to be to be completely honest with you. This this movie uh, definitely lived up to the hype. Um, I think this is probably one of the better MCU films, like just not just in terms of um, the story itself, but like visually it was it was very exciting. I thought the music was fantastic by Michael Giacchino. Um, Giacchino. Giacchino. Didn't he do the other films as well? I feel like he did. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if he did all of them, but I know he was on another one. I feel like he probably did because yeah. I usually try to keep consistency with that. Right. Uh, so I would highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it yet, I would say get your butt to the theater ASAP. And then that way, the sooner you guys see it, the sooner we can talk about it. Yeah, we'll probably do that on our next episode is actually a spoiler Spider-Man episode. But that one will be contained in its own episode. So if you haven't seen it or you're waiting, you know, till it's out, you can skip it. Um, you can just skip it. And yeah. then if you would like, go back and listen to it. No, because we the. Uh, so, yeah, so that'll be a future one. A uh, couple of the other movies that we've seen lately um, that I want to cover before we dive into the main topic of today. Uh, you saw your first Bond film. I did. Well, that I can remember. That you can remember. I feel like I might have seen a Pierce Brosnan Bond film. Probably but Golden I'm, Eye. I think so, but I couldn't tell you the plot or really anything that happened. So that's why I'm not sure if I have. But this has also happened with multiple movies in the past where – you're like, how have you not seen this movie? And then we put it on. I'm like, this happens and this happens and this happens. Yeah, I've seen Private this. Ryan. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've easily seen Saving Private Ryan, but I just couldn't remember seeing it. Yeah. But yeah, I did see it. And this has happened with a lot of other movies, too. <laughs> um, but I think I want to make like a um, like a shame list or something of like, I'm ashamed to say, say I, I have not seen, seen a lot of these movies. Because there are some out there that you guys would like probably just 
slap me for not seeing them. It's ridiculous. The big movies that I have not seen. Well, we can kind of bring back the can't believe you haven't seen that. Yeah. But obviously it's not a separate episodes. It'll just be contained yeah. in what we would normally talk about. But 007 would be part of that because from what I can remember, I don't think I've seen them. Maybe this will say is my first Bond film. Yeah. Which being... I don't, what is this? It's like the third. Well, how many? 20, fifth? So this is the 25th overall Bond film. This is the fifth one with Daniel Craig. Okay, there you go. Fifth. That's what I was thinking of. So yeah. Um, so I guess no spoilers because I know a lot of people have not seen it. Yeah. So this was No Time to Die, uh, which is, uh, you know, Daniel Craig had said going into it that this was going to be his last Bond film, uh, which was a little different from what we got way back in the day with Sean Connery and with Roger Moore. Uh, both of them, I think, did seven films overall. Uh, and, you know, they would kind of leave and come back. You know, like there were, you know, like George Lazenby comes in. Uh, with Sean Connery, you had David Niven that came in. You had, um, oh, who's the other? Timothy Dalton at one point, not during the Connery days, but later on. Uh, so, I mean, you've had a couple different Bonds, Pierce Brosnan, as you referenced before. Pierce Brosnan and Sean Connery are the ones that I'm the most familiar with because I grew up. Obviously, my mom was a big Sean Connery fan. Um, so, you know, we watched those one. We watched like Dr. No. Uh, later on, watched, you know, like uh, um, GoldenEye and No World for Tomorrow. Like some of the, the, the Pierce Brosnan ones, I remember seeing all of those ones. But then with Daniel Craig, it was interesting because I saw Casino Royale, which we own. I saw Quantum of Solace, but I never saw Skyfall or Spectre. And that's because that's when I came into your life. <laughs> well, honestly, I really, I think that's pretty much what it was. And because you hadn't seen any of right. them, I wasn't going to start you with those. Mm -hmm. But then with this, I was like, look, I really want to watch this movie and you can watch it. And if you enjoy it, we'll go back and watch the other mm -hmm. ones. Uh, so we are going to dive back into those ones. But all in all, you enjoyed it? Oh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. That's why we are going to go back. and. I mean, you can watch them anytime you want, but I will choose to go back and watch definitely all of the Daniel Craig ones. And then probably go Pierce Brosnan just because the more recent, I think, will be more interesting to me. Yeah. And then maybe down the road, try to go from the beginning Do with Sean Connery. Some nostalgia ones. Yeah. But so no spoilers, like I said, great film, a lot of action. It wasn't, I mean, I don't like a lot of um, like killing and gore and things like that. Used to when I could watch <laughs> horror films. Now I just don't really care about it. But I could stomach these movies. They're not like too over the top. I like the way they handle when people are being shot. I do not like when they straight up point blank shoot somebody and then they show it happening. Oh, I yeah. hate that so much. They don't do that in this movie. So I appreciate when they like put the camera back to the, you know, shooter or, or whatever. Um so I enjoyed this film in that regard, but story-wise, amazing. Um, the acting was awesome and uh, definitely shed some tears in this one. So yeah. I'm interested to see, I need to see the rest of his story to, you know, to see how it got here because there was obviously some questions I had that you couldn't even answer because you missed in the two movies prior. <laughs> yep, yep. So yeah, I think we need to go back and watch those films for nice. sure. Nice, I'm excited for that. Uh, Trying to think, what else have we watched recently? Uh, we were lucky to watch West Side Story. We did. Yeah, that was actually just the other night. Yeah. <clears throat> so we watched uh, West Side Story, which we were super fortunate to be able to to view. Um, and I, I, I'm a member of SAG-AFTRA. I don't know if I've covered this on the 
show might've. previously. Um, and I was selected as part of the voting committee for the SAG After Awards. So we've been getting screeners and digital stuff, which mm-hmm. unfortunately, no, I cannot share them because it is tied specifically to my ID. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has allowed us to see movies that typically we would have to go to the theater to see. Um, like Spider-Man, unfortunately, I didn't get a digital version or Yet. the the uh, the screeners. So that one we did have to go to the theater. Uh, but we watched West Side Story. For you, do you remember the 1961 West Side Story? Uh, briefly. I feel like I watched it in high school, and that was probably the only time I ever watched it. I know I enjoyed it. Anytime they would play a musical in school and you were you were forced to watch it, I was always like, yay, it's, you know, time to watch something I enjoy. But I didn't go on after that and try to watch it again. And I feel like with musicals, that's kind of hard unless you – own a physical copy of them, it's hard to get your hands on a musical copy. Now it's easier because you can just buy anything digitally. Yeah. But I feel like back then there, it was a harder time to find certain films. But anyway, I briefly remember West Side Story. Obviously, I remember the music. It's iconic music that people <laughs> ever, even if you've never seen it, you just know this music because it has been referenced or you've heard other people sing these songs. Um, so I know I enjoyed it. This I loved West Side Story. Nice. This Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Nice. What about you? I loved it. I thought it 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 was a great homage to the 1961 and then also the 1957 stage play. Um, or sorry, I should say musical. Uh, they had a lot of the same choreography. Obviously, some things were developed and augmented to kind of coincide with today's styling. Uh, but I thought vocally the performances were were spot on. Um, the the actress that played Maria had an absolutely angelic voice. Yeah. Like she astounded me with how talented her her voice was. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of West Side Story. I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, be in West Side Story. Back when I was in high school, I did a summer theater version of it. Uh, no, I was not anybody of note. I was just one <laughs> of the sharks because I have naturally black hair. And most of the people that had auditioned were of the Caucasian persuasion uh, so everybody that was blonde or had lighter brown hair got to be a jet. Anybody with dark brown hair or black hair, i.e. me, uh, was a shark. So I got to put on like a fake bronzer to give myself a little bit more of a tan, uh, and grew a really thin mustache and goatee to, in a failed, at this point, a bad cultural misappropriation of being Hispanic <laughs> or being Puerto Rican. Uh, but at the time, you know, it was accepted for whatever reason. But one thing that was really cool was the choreographer didn't feel comfortable trying to choreograph fights. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want it to just be like dance fighting. They wanted it to have some authenticity to it. Mm -hmm. And because I was a trained martial artist, they actually asked me to choreograph the fight scenes. So it was really cool. So I got to do that. That was really exciting for me. Look at you. was very heavy on jujitsu, so a lot of throws, <laughs> a lot of throws and, and takedowns. All the other guys were like, come on, William, yeah, BJ, we, whatever you were called at back the then. time, right? They were like, oh, I want to just throw punches. And I'm like, yeah, but one of you is not going to pull the punch properly and you're going to actually crack somebody in the jaw and they're not going to be able to sing. So we're not going to do that. So uh, only people that I knew could throw a punch and, or the person that would know how to like dodge it yeah. to make it look like the Harrison Ford punch, if you will. Oh goodness. Right. The full body launch yourself in. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I really, really liked it. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to see it. This was one that I would have gone to the theaters right. to see if given the opportunity. So um, for those that don't get digital screeners, I would recommend going to the theater to see it. Yeah. Any musical lovers. I think they did it justice. I think oh, yeah. 
the singers are all amazing. Like you said, Maria, what is her name is what? Rachel Zegler? Yeah. No, that, yeah, Maria, Rachel Zegler. Yeah. yeah. So, and she was technically a nobody before mm-hmm. this film, right? This is her debut. Yeah. So introducing yeah. Rachel's, oh my gosh, her voice, like you said, is angelic. It's beautiful. It moves you. It, mm-hmm. You feel the emotions. And same with um, Ansel Elgort. Yeah, the one that plays Tony. He was Tony. great. Yeah. Like, I'd, I don't know if he's done singing in other things. I don't think I've heard it if he has, but he's awesome. I did not know he was, because we know him from Baby Driver. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, which he killed it. I love yeah. that movie, and he was so good in it. Yeah, so great actor, but I didn't know he could sing like that. So And one thing that I really enjoyed, uh, I had to look this up, but that they did no playback on certain songs. So that's that's legitimately him singing live while they're recording it. That's so like, nuts. obviously they're going to go back into the audio yeah. and they're going to do some post-production, but the performance itself is not ADR. Like he's not in a room doing this. Like he is live walking, performing. And they did that for multiple uh, numbers in, in this film. Uh, I would say a standout for me was uh, A Boy Like That. The the one between Anita and oh, Maria yeah. um, that I thought the performance was very moving. Like I felt my I could feel the tension uh, in those in that performance. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. And one thing that I also read up that I thought was really interesting was the scene when Anita goes to Doc's. She goes to the, the store to try to give the, the message to yeah. Tony and she's basically sexually assaulted yes. by the jets that are there right. because they just see her as Bernardo's girl. Mm-hmm. And then Valentina comes and rescues her. So um, Rita Moreno had kind of a traumatic episode dealing with that when she was Anita back oh, in the wow. 1961 cinematic version. So when she went to do this scene, she was like getting very anxious oh, no. knowing what she went through and yeah. worried about the actress that I can't think of the actress. Ariana. Name, Ariana, who was playing Anita in this version, they had a grief counselor there to talk with her immediately after the scene. And Anita and Rita Moreno was like, well, where was that when I did it? Like yeah. she, but she was like thankful that they did because she could remember what it felt like yeah. for her. And even though it is a movie and it is, you know, it's staged. And it's she a musical. It. So they don't show everything, but you get the gist. You get it from what is happening. You yeah. know where they're going with this. She is raped like yeah. that is what happened yeah. they just don't show that yeah but with you know what is being said in the dialogue and with the song you know that is what's going down and it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and they try to make it as comfortable for you to watch and accept because nobody wants to see that in a film but no. i mean you need it for to move along the story and we knew this happened because of the original but to see it in this form you're just like damn it this actress does have to go through this. So, and who's to know her past or what she knows, yeah. you know? So yeah, a grief counselor, you would think if this is going to be in your movie, you better have that available for every film that deals with this subject matter because it's mm-hmm. awful. And also if for some reason you have not seen West Side Story and this is a, a tough subject for you to watch, I would suggest fast forwarding through maybe through that scene because right. it is difficult to watch. And, it's frustrating and you're just, oh, I was so angry. I'm like, goodness, it's been so long since I've seen this film. I can't even remember the original. But watching this scene, I was just like, I want all of those guys to die. <laughs> like, yeah. it's awful. But no, that's disgusting. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it's. It, I think it's. What's really interesting too is this is a. You got to figure there's a stage a stage musical that was developed in 1957 cinematically by 1961, but is still incredibly relevant today. Oh yeah. You know from from you know cultural and race uh, uh, race wars, bigotry, um, classism, sexual assault. I mean, all of these things are still very much prevalent today and the message for me still rings true i mean yes this is basically a romeo and juliet's adaptation for sure but the i think the the ramifications of what you see i think it does make it important for us culturally now Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i thought was really interesting too was when i was younger i think everybody wanted to be a jet Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you were a white kid from poor New York neighborhood, mm-hmm. you want to be a jet because you understood that. Right. You weren't you weren't an immigrant for the most part. You know, maybe your parents or your grandparents, like in my case. But, you know, you were born here. You kind of understood that. But like now having grown up and being married to a Hispanic woman, having kids who are half Hispanic, I actually identified way more with the with the sharks. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I actually thought that was really interesting, like yeah. how even for me in my life, how my point of view. and. Yeah where I identified changed and all the way to the point that I downloaded Duolingo on the iPad and immediately started a Spanish lesson with Remy, which he was totally immersed in. Like usually if I try to teach him how to play guitar, (laughs) how to play piano, how to do the drums, you can see his eyes gloss over. Like he just does not care about a single thing I have to say. I think that's a kid thing. But he, like as soon as, like we started helping him remember because we were trying to teach him Spanish when he was real young, mm-hmm. but trying to help him remember some of those phrases. And then when I pulled it, pulled out the app mm-hmm. and started going through it, he climbed right in my lap and sat there. We were there for what, 15, 20 minutes yeah. just learning Spanish. Yeah. Every, really every lesson that was over, he's like, let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. So that's, I guess one of our goals for, you know, from now until we are fluent, yep. we will continue our Spanish lessons because even for me, goodness gracious, I wish I, you know, would have learned from my grandparents. And it's just one thing I didn't. It's It sucks because I think I just like completely blocked that out. If I heard them speaking it, I'm like, eh, I don't need to. I go to, you know, a school where everybody speaks English and I'm in just, you know, English speaking classes. I wish I was in, you know, bilingual classes but i think about it if it's accessible for remy maybe we'll have to look into that or something mm-hmm. but i don't know if the schools that we're in i don't think they offer those programs which is kind of bummer so we will have to be the you know reason that he learns this extra language before he gets to those later years where they force you to do it <laughs> i actually i asked my team i had a conference call with my team this morning for my my day job uh and i Ask them if they had New Year's resolutions, if they wanted to send them across. Because I'd be interested to see, like, professionally or personally, like, what people were trying to achieve for 2022. Mm-hmm. And then if it's something that I can help them achieve, yeah. like, obviously, like, you know, I, I'd like to help them. So I shared what mine was. And I mm-hmm. said, personally, I go, I graduated with honors in Spanish in high school, but I really haven't used it. I used it maybe for, like, a year when I was in FSOP, yeah. the food service yep. uh, part of, of my job. Uh, but I hadn't really used it at any of the point otherwise. So I said to my team, I wanted to be fluent again. And they actually were like super supportive. They were like, well, because most of my team is Hispanic. They were like, well, we'll, we'll talk Spanish to you. Oh, so they're going to, they're going to help me with my, my fluency. So I was really excited. So. And it's probably good for them too, because they probably speak it at home Mm -hmm. and you know, you go to work and you kind of have to switch it off and turn on all of the English speaking because that's just the, you know, the, the world we live in where like, Hey, 
you live in America, you better speak English. I hate that. I hate that so yeah. much. I mean, I get it. It's easier to understand for most of us, but it's like, if we could just help each other, that I think we would all be more fluent if we just accepted it more. Yeah. So, so and that, that kind of leads me into the main topic of what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. So uh, on Disney Plus, uh, just a few days ago, Encanto. Yeah. Was was released, which I is the Christmas Eve. Yes, Christmas Eve. So, and this is the 60th animated film from from Disney animated animation studios, and uh, the music was done by Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, obviously famous for Hamilton, Into the Heights, more recently with Moana, uh, and this this movie deals with a family in Colombia. So they're in a um, the this uh, the fictional town of Encanto, yeah. Colombia, and the Madrigals, the, the main family, uh, have powers. Okay. They have magical powers, but it focuses on one member of the family in particular, Maribel, who does not. Maribel. Maribel. So uh, first off, you being a woman of Hispanic background, uh, how excited were you when you when this movie was even first announced in development? Oh, I was pumped. I mean, this goes back to... Coco, you know, when that one actually covers Mexican, you know, um, heritage. So that one was obviously more my wheelhouse, but anything Latin is going to, you know, make me feel represented. So no, I'm not Colombian. No, I do not have Colombian. Um, <laughs> not that you know of. <laughs> that I, yeah, that I know of because really everybody's just like a melting pot. Goodness gracious. So we're going to do one of those, uh, what are they called? 23andMe. 23andMe.com tests. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do one of those at some point. Um, but yeah, I was pumped for this movie to come along. And then you hear someone like Lin-Manuel is going to be doing the original songs for it. It's like, God, that's genius. That's gold right there. We loved Moana. Goodness gracious. I think that was probably one of our tops in this last decade of Disney films. I think Moana still is top. Encanto is, is, I don't know, pretty close there. But if, you know, we appreciated that film and covering um, other ethnicities and whatnot, you know, different cultures. I'm loving this, like, new path that Disney is on where they're trying to bring in new cultures, new heritages, new whatever it may be. They are trying to introduce it, I guess, more, I don't know, just widely acceptable for people to just understand where these cultures come from. And I think when you think of certain... Um, heritages or you know ethnicities you you could depending on who you are you could have a negative connotation for certain things and i think when i think of um mexican um people in american films for the longest time we've always been depicted as lazy which is crazy um <laughs> uh poor we're usually the the bad ones in the film. Yeah. We were the enemies. We were the villains. We, you know, we are the drugs. You know, like that is what Mexican is depicted for. You could probably say the same thing for Colombian. So anytime you have anything Latin in a film, it wasn't always good. And I love that Disney is on this path of, hey, we are going to shine a light on these cultures in a positive way. I'm going to cry because I'm getting emotional. <laughs> but that's why I enjoyed this film. Yeah, no, I, I think it's... It's okay, B. I, I think it's it's in like you said it's it's culturally important not just for Colombians but I think for like Hispanic people in general. And as we said before, watching Encanto, 
you know, watching West Side Story, like seeing this, this tap into Hispanic culture is important, not just for us, right? As a, as a married couple, because obviously I, as far as I know, I have no Latin background, but I feel like an adopted son, you know, to like a, to a Hispanic family. Essentially I am like I've married into that and I very much was able to be privy to so many cultural things that I was never um, able to access in upstate New York, but stuff that is very prevalent here in Fresno, California. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, hell, the first time I ever came out here to pick you up to to go back to New York for the CD release show, your mom made tostadas for dinner. Right. And I had never had that before. I didn't even know that was a meal. Like that was an option. <laughs> I was like, oh, is so this funny. like a cheesy gordita crunch? Like <laughs> my Mexican meals were based out of Taco Bell. Like it's so sad. It's so very sad. <laughs> But I, I think it's important, like for our children, right? Yeah. For them to really still feel that connectivity, and not just the connectivity, but pride, like to be prideful of where, where, like who you are and where your ancestors came from. And I think with Coco, they did an amazing job with that. I right. thought Remy very much gravitated to that film. Like he, I feel like he resonated with Miguel. Like he kind of felt like mm-hmm. he could be that that little boy. And you know, I think that was incredibly important. And then with this film, easily I'd say since it's come out, we've watched it at least 10 times. Oh, gosh. At least. And that's Off like, and on. I mean, probably full through five times. Five times, like yes. without deviating and doing other things, like sitting. We watched it like t- three times, two and a half times, just that, that night, night that it came the, out. The first time that we, yeah, that we watched it. It was so good. We immediately put it back on and then put it on for bed and then wake up, put it back on. Uh, Winnie knows how to um, get on the iPad now or some of our phones. And so she knows how to get to Disney Plus. And what does she pick? Encanto. It is yeah. so cute. And she says it. <laughs> she says, Encanto. I don't know. I can't even say it. It's just adorable the way she says it. Um, but she loves the music too. And I think uh, th- this might go into some spoilers. So maybe from here, you if you haven't seen it, maybe you should either like fast forward, skip through, or maybe just put this on pause until you watch the film. But I know we are going to reach some spoilers here. But I, what part do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about the story? Do you want to talk about the music? So the actors? Yeah, I would I would probably start it out with the story. Like, you know, when you think about this versus you know, not just some of the princess films, right? Or the other Disney animated films that we've gotten in the last decade, you know, 10 years or so. Like we we can really say since the, I call it the second renaissance, right? Or the revival, some people call mm-hmm. it, of Disney animation. So obviously we had the, the initial renaissance, late 80s into the 90s, early 2000s. I mean, really Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Stitch are probably the standout films. Right. I mean, like Home on the Range didn't really do well. Chicken Little not, you know, didn't really do well. Um, what was the uh, Treasure, Planet, Treasure Planet? Which is interesting because that's a... Uh, um, uh, why am I blanking on the two directors' names? Oh, Clements. Yeah, Ron Clements and John Musker. Yeah. So that's a, one of their films, which is probably the least well-known films out yeah. of their pantheon. Uh, when you think of this story, right, where it where it is more culturally based, as opposed to like a Wreck-It Ralph, which is very much just yeah, we're gonna tell a fun story. Like it, it has no bearing in one generation or one culture mm-hmm. or another. But this one, similar to what we had with like princess and the frog, right. Mm -hmm. Which was very much like, this is Louisiana Bayou culture. Like this is new Orleans culture. 
that versus when we had like Rapunzel, which is just like, here's a fairy tale. Like, oh, we just haven't done this fairy tale yet. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this story? Compared to Princess yeah, and the Frog? Yeah, well, just in, ge- like, in general, like the more recent stories that we've gotten from G- Disney Animation, did you feel like this felt rehashed? Did you feel it was predictable? Did you feel like this was something brand new that really hadn't been touched before? Well, I think like any movie these days can be predictable. I think we all go, especially a Disney film or an animated film at that, you you can predict where the story is going to go. What I loved about this one is as much as you knew, okay, we, we get the whole plot is that uh, Mirabelle doesn't have um, powers, but all of the rest of her family does. She is clearly the protagonist. So we know she is the one who is going to help the family in whatever situation, you know, is thrown at them. Does this mean she's going to get powers? I don't know. Let's see. Is there a villain who's stealing the powers? Like what happened? So I didn't know going into it because I didn't really look into this movie very much. I haven't been looking into like the films lately as much as I used to back in the really heavy days of Hilt Radio where I needed to know everything. I just don't do it anymore. I don't have that kind of time and I don't want to be on my phone like I, <laughs> I like I used to be. So I knew nothing about this film other than um, it was a Colombian-based film and Lin-Manuel Miranda was doing the songs. And then I knew that uh, Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine was going <laughs> to be the main, uh, was going to be Mirabelle. Stephanie which, Beatrice. God, I love her. Yeah. So she was amazing. So I didn't know... Was there a villain? What's going on? So here, spoilers, guys. There's no villain. Like, there's not an evil queen or a Maleficent who's trying to, you know, take over a kingdom or take out a princess in whatever way. That is what I loved about this film. I think that's where this film differed from a lot of the past Disney films. So I'm trying to think, was there, have they done this before? I mean, it, the the only one that I can can kind of think, uh, you know, to, to, to some regard is like the second Wreck-It Ralph movie. Yeah. Right. Where there's not really a villain because the story was more about just people, you know, uh, Vanellope and Ralph kind of growing in different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And Ralph trying to understand that it was Vanellope- his own insecurity. Yes. That- like, so Ralph is like the villain without really being the villain. Like, yeah, they still have to battle the big, you know, mega Ralph, but that's the only one that I could think of. Like, yeah. like with Coco, there really isn't a villain until almost the very end where they flip it and they're like, oh, wait, actually this. Yeah. You know, and I think that that was really interesting with Coco because it felt like more of a journey, like a hero's journey. Right. As opposed to you're just trying to defeat this one villain and that's how you're going to win. Right. Like in Rapunzel, in Tangled, we see from the jump that Mother Gothel Mother Gothel's is the villain. Like obviously. We, we see that. In even in Princess and the Frog, very early on, they established that um, Facilia is yep. the is the villain. So I thought that was really interesting, and I kept ex- I kept waiting. It uh, kind of felt like they were going to set up Bruno. Well, they did sit, kind of set up Bruno, right? Yeah. He is the we don't talk about Bruno. He you know he is somebody who was a part of the family. His powers just didn't do right by the family, and they kind of made it seem like he was intentionally doing this to the family. Yes. And then you get further into the story, and then you realize. Bruno just could see the future and that scares people. Yeah. You know, when you're told your future and if it may not be what you expected, that's scary. And then it it happens. It's going to happen because he told it, it has to happen. That is the point of his vision. You can't change 
the future you go because he sees it you know yeah. this you can't change his vision that's i guess what's cool and scary about his power and i don't I think the town the family they looked at it as something that was evil something that you are causing these things to happen well they viewed it as when you think about the other powers right they're all uh, they're all powers that are beneficial to the community Mm-hmm. Right. Like whether it's, you know, Luisa's strength or Issa's um, ability to manipulate plants to make things grow. Um, uh, Julieta's healing ability, Peppa's uh, weather manipulation, mm-hmm. you know, all of these characters, the family members all have these powers and they're able to do something with them. But things that I actually thought were really interesting is that and I didn't think about this till literally this moment. The only people that do not have powers are the abuela mm-hmm. and Maribel. Yeah. And that's it. They're the only two that don't have powers and they never really focus on the fact that abuela has no power, but yeah. she's just the matriarch of the family and she kind of keeps everybody in check and under control. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, loved the story. I loved the characters. I thought all the characters got sufficient screen time where you actually gave a crap about everybody. Yeah. And they did it in a way that you didn't just care about the character, but you cared about the way they were going to interact with Maribel and with each other mm-hmm. and sort of the impact they were going to have. But I got to say, probably my favorite character was Casita. The Casita? The house. Yeah. The house is alive. That's part it. of the story that is so, so exciting. And, you know, it, just like the carpet in Aladdin, yeah. you care about this character. You like do. You care what's happening to the character. Um when the magic is going away, you know, the house is getting cracks, it's falling apart, and you're just like, no. Yeah. You, you, it seems like a, a character is dying. Yeah, so without giving away, I guess, too much, because I don't know how spoiler-heavy we really want to get with this. No, I figure we go spoiler-heavy. It's, oh, okay. it's accessible for people. You could, They can watch they it. They can watch it right yes. now, literally right now. You could probably sign up for your seven-day trial of Disney Plus and yeah, go watch, watch this movie. It it's worth it. It's yeah. worth those create, three seven days. Create a new email address and just go to it. <laughs> um, but, like, Maribel having no powers and the fact that the, the house the candle that's in the house that has been bestowed with powers denies her the ability to gain a power. Whereas everybody else that's been born in the family Mm -hmm. after, you know, the obviously Abuela's three kids. So Peppa, Julieta and Bruno Mm -hmm. are the first ones to get powers. Usually when they're about like what, six, seven years old. Um, yeah, I would say that's what it kind of felt like probably about a six year old. Um, so it's interesting, right? Where you've got these, You've got these characters. Everybody's been given a power. Mirabella is given no power and no explanation as to why. Mm-hmm. So instead of being like an, oh, woe is me, even though Abuela looks at her in a certain way as though like there's something wrong with her because she doesn't have a mm-hmm. power. Maribel almost takes it as like a, but that's okay. Everybody else does. Yeah. And I'm excited that they have powers. Right. Like, I mean, there's moments, there's song that she sings that you can tell like she would love to have these abilities. She would mm-hmm. love to be able to do these things. And if not to have them to at least know why she didn't get them. Right. But she still, even, even after all that, she still, when she gets kind of that, she sees the cracks forming. She, she then takes on the, well, this is my power. This is my mission is to save everybody, to save the family Madrigal. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that. I thought that that was a much, a much more unexpected turn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we saw in the trailers, like, Oh my power, I'm losing my power. So I thought it was more of a, she was going to try to, like you said, like, is there somebody stealing the powers or what's the reason for this? And she was going to solve like that mystery, but it was more of a, I'm going to save the family, which I really enjoyed. And then meeting Bruno, Theo, Theo Bruno. And you're just like, Oh my God, he is 
like Maribel, like where he wanted to just save the family, even if it was at the his expense. Yeah. Right? Because to him, family was more important. Like, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> family was more important than Thank him. you, John Leguizamo, for right? getting us emotional. Oh, and like just <laughs> I know we talked about like real briefly with like Stephanie Beatrice as um Maribel. as Maribel. But I, I've got to say, John Leguizamo was oh, so another good. level. He was so, so good. So I mean, good. all of the voice acting in this, whether it was, you know, Wilmer Valderrama, you know, as Mary Bell's father, uh, Angie Cepeda, Carolina Gaetan, uh, Diane Guerrero, like just amazing actors and actresses. The music by Lin-Manuel Miranda was to me, probably some of his best to date. Oh, for sure. But let's go back to the story before we go to the No, music, I'm done with the story. Think... I want to talk about something else. No, no, I'm just I want, kidding. No, I want, to so, talk, I want to talk about it in the story. No, so so leaving, going from where we were just saying. So I think I wanted to touch on the fact that you said Abuela doesn't have magical powers, but she's given the miracle because uh, Pedro, her husband, um, basically, I don't know if he... he was like the land was given, you know, magic to him for um, kind of being selfless and going and protecting, you know, the rest of the people that are trying to escape the bandits, you can say. And he gets slain and, you know, she's sad and now on her own with three babies. So I'm guessing the land is magic, which then he gives somehow Pedro, you know, is magic and gives this miracle to Abuela, which of course she doesn't have powers, but she is go. she has these babies that, which is crazy to think about now is that they're already born, you know, it's not like they were born with magic. They yeah. were also given magic from this candle. Um, you can say Casita is Pedro, is Abuelo. Yeah. You know, I'm guessing it's, um, he is the house. The spirit of him yeah, is in the he, house. Yeah. He is, you know, protecting his family. And then they go on to um, Abuela's song when she's with uh, Mirabel in the forest by the river where he dies. And, you know, she's talking about how she kind of, it was common that these her kids were getting these powers and they were going to protect the town. But it just got to a point to where she was just more worried about losing it. Yeah. And she still wasn't happy herself. So she kind of overlooked her kids where even though like they are doing all they can for her and trying to show that they are perfect and to help the town for Abuela the most, she just kind of lost sight. Yeah. It's making me so sad because she, she was like living without actually living. Yeah. And the way I think about Mirabel not getting powers is because Pedro realized, hey, you're losing sight of why you get these powers. Yeah. So she's not going to get powers. So, so it's kind of sad, like he had to pull that away, yeah. and like you're, you, she's taking it for granted. You know, yeah. she's getting all these powers. And the power is more important than the person. Exactly. So he was like, "Guess what? She's not going to get powers, and she's going to be the reason that it'll wake you up. It's, it's going to be hard for the family, but that for me, this is what I think the story was overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and like I watched some behind the scenes stuff on YouTube, and like Lin Manuel talks about like that this first and foremost was supposed to be a story about family. Like that was the purpose of this, this film from start to finish was to focus on a family more than anything else, which is why you don't have a villain coming yeah. in, which is why you don't have outside influences. Everything that occurs, everything that happens is based on the actions of the family uh, themselves. And I think that you put it so succinctly is this idea that Abuela has lost sight of it and it was Casito or Pedro's mm -hmm. way of showing her, giving giving her uh, 
like a touch base, right? Like giving her something to ground her, to bring her back to what was yeah. truly important, which was family. That it's not the powers, it's not what a person can do, it's who a person is. Yeah, which but, wasn't fair to Mirabel, but hey, you were just the kid that was next <laughs> that needed to show. Well, but I'm, when you think about it, he could have waited and given Mirabel power and then maybe, um, is it Antonio, right? The young boy? Yeah, they, Antonio. We see, yeah, he could have waited and give it to him, but I think he could recognize that Mirabel yes. had yep. the shoulders to carry that kind of weight, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes we don't ask to be burdened with the things, you know, things that life throws at us. But, you know, I've heard the saying, like, life doesn't give us anything that, that they don't, it doesn't give us more than what we can handle. Right. You know, and it, we are sort of the summation of the events that have happened, like whether they're good or, or bad, they've helped sculpt us into the people that we are. And I, I loved that Mirabel was so accepting of like, this is my lot in life, you know, I do wish that maybe things were different, but I understand yeah. that this is who I am. And she says it in that beginning song, you know, where the kids are, what's your power? What's your power? You know, I think your power is being in denial. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she says, you know, if I, or the little girl says to her, like, if I were you, I would be really sad. And she goes, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm happy. And it's like, yeah. There you go. She, And you know that at moments she's not going to always be happy because, hey, her sis, both of her sisters, one is the golden child and then the other one is the strongest of everybody. So, yeah, that's tough, you know, to have these sisters that have these amazing powers and you have absolutely nothing but to still be so positive. So you're right. I think, you know, Casita, Pedro, whoever it may be, knew that she was the one to carry this burden and to bring the family back together. And um I guess you can kind of say that Abuela was the villain in a kind of, in a yeah, sense, yeah. but mostly it was just her, you know, overlooking the family and just taking for granted the, their powers. And so, and that's why I asked you initially if you felt like there was any sort of rehashing, because I did not, not that I felt like it was a cop out or anything, but I did feel like it was reminiscent to Rocket Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, where mm -hmm. there isn't a dis definitive villain, mm -hmm. but it is one of the primary characters having to face yeah. maybe the faults that they yes, have, maybe the, some definitely. of the, like you said, the insecurities, the shortcomings or the failings that they may have and trying to, and now that that's bad, like we all have our faults, right? But recognizing them yes. and understanding there is a change that needs to occur, but then also appreciating the person that helped to facilitate that change. Yeah, see, I think that makes it more widely acceptable. You don't have to be Colombian or from Hispanic heritage to resonate with this story because that alone is, we all have faults. <laughs> we do. And I think we don't like to admit it more often than not. So that's what this story is. Like, hey, sometimes you just got to look inside yourself and realize what you are doing to yourself and everybody around you. Yeah. It can be toxic. You need to figure that out. And sometimes you do need somebody else to help you through those things. You just have to yeah. be open and willing to accept it. So yeah, I think this, the whole, I think Disney does the, we're gonna get you with a really deep cut here. Yeah. And they've been doing it a lot more lately in their films. I mean, they always did. They always kill off a parent they or a grandparent. <laughs> you know, they always get you emotionally at some point in the film. But I feel like lately they're just like, hey, we all need to learn some lessons and we are going to show you those lessons, I guess, in an easy way to stomach. You know, it's a cartoon, for God's sake, you know, with amazing music. Learn something from it. Yeah. You know, but. 
I don't know. It's I think that's why this story is more beautiful than a lot of the other stories. And it's definitely creeping up into that top Disney movie for me. I wouldn't say number one, but it's definitely up there. Out of the 60 Disney mm-hmm. films that there are, this one is pretty tops for me. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And you now, so you mentioned, and we started to kind of dive into it a little bit, but the music for this one, um, you know, as we said before, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, did the the wrote the main songs uh, for this one? Obviously, the the orchestration behind it was Michael Giacchino. Was it? No, no, it was not. No, it was Jermaine. I want to say she she has done. I think Coco also. I'm not a hundred percent, but um, so it was Jermaine Fal- uh, Franco. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure she has also done. Her prominent work includes Coco. Yes, Tag, which we saw. That's the Jeremy Renner long-standing game of tag. Oh, fun movie that was really fun yeah dope vida dora and the lost city of gold little and encanto yeah i think back in i don't know if it was the 70s or the 80s maybe it was the 80s she was like the first of like hispanic heritage to break into like the oh wow the i didn't know that american film uh scene oh how cool yeah something like that's or female wise i want to say nice so yeah so she's got some big credits under her belt, but this is amazing. Um, I think the music can stand on itself, you know, like you have, you go into Disney films and you know a lot of them tend to be musically based. Right. There are very few that aren't, or it's not a musical. Maybe it has music in it, but it's not a musical. But this film is very much a musical. So if that's not your thing, if you are the person, oh, there are so many friends that I just remember being like, eh, I don't like Disney movies because all it is is singing princesses. Right. You know, it's a it's a musical per se. And if that's not your cup of tea, you're not going to like this film because at its core, it is a musical. Yes. The songs move the story along. I would say without them, the movie might be a little lackluster for well, yeah, sure. They're, they're integral to the storyline. Yeah. That's, that is the point of a musical. So I love the music. Lin-Manuel writing the original songs for this film, like he did with Moana, correct? Yeah. And with Moana, we did he, some, had some help. Yeah. Too. He, there were two other songwriters right. that developed, but like the music it, at its core was mostly developed. And then we go to Hamilton then, you know, cause he obviously did those songs. Those, yes. That is his music. It's funny when you hear Lin-Manuel songs, you can, he you has, know. he has a style yeah. and I love that. I think some people hear that and they're kind of just like, ah, I'm over it. It's, you know, I heard it once. It was great. I want something new, but that's not something Disney does. Disney finds directors. They love yeah. actors. They love singers and songwriters like that is just, they work with the same people because it is essentially going to be a Disney style. They want you to hear this and know that this is Disney. Well, like we said before, John Musker and Ron Clements, I mean, yeah. dating all the way, they were animators before they were directors, but going from Great Mouse Detective to Little Mermaid to Aladdin to Hercules to um, Treasure Planet and then Princess and the Frog, like. And then Moana. I mean, when you think about these yeah. films, hopefully I didn't miss one. Like when you think about all the films that they've done, like each one feels different, but feels the same. Like each one of those movies you watch and you go, yeah, this is a Disney, Disney film, you know? And that's what they want. I feel like they want you to know it's a Disney movie. What? I don't see that as a bad thing. I think, no, no. You know, it keeps you returning to the things that you love. It's the same with the style of animation. You know, they yeah. find a style 
that works for them and they stick with it for decades. And then they'll change it up a little bit, but then it'll stay that new style for a couple more decades. Yeah. And then it they just kind of develop it, you know, and it grows with the time and the the technology that they have at their hands. And now it's to the point to where it's like not even fair that these people are drawing these characters that could easily walk on the street with you and me. Yeah. You know, if you saw an animated character in real life, it, they move so fluidly. And yeah. It's well, you, amazing. You and I had both commented so much on like the dancing in this film and the way, like not only are they dancing in a very Colombian, very Hispanic style, but as you just said, the fluidity to their movements is so lifelike. Yeah. Um, and I think with Encanto specifically, the renderings of the characters themselves, I feel like Disney has struck a really good balance. Mm. Like when I think back to like Princess and the Frog, obviously still the hand-drawn style of animation, and I loved it. Like I loved the way that it was represented. My hang-ups on films like Tangled and Frozen are the proportions of the characters' features are still a little bit odd, and it it doesn't. It's not that it's uncanny valley, but it just feels a little bit weird to me. Like me personally, maybe for other people, it's not quite the same thing. Um, when you look at like Wreck-It Ralph or Big Hero 6, you kind of expect it. It's a little bit more cartoony, mm -hmm. but the, it's weird. Like when you watch Frozen or Frozen 2, the movements are still very lifelike, but mm -hmm. the like features, the facial features mm -hmm. and whatnot, and the, like I said, the proportions between the eyes and the nose and the mouth just feels bizarre. In Kanto, I think, nailed it. I think everybody's features felt very authentic. It felt very real, but it also felt very Disney. Yeah. It still had that style, that aesthetic that you think it's like this, this, even if I didn't know it was a Disney movie, seeing it, I would have been like, this, this has got to be a Disney movie. I, right. I'd be floored if it yeah. wasn't. Like we said, they have a style and they kind of stick with it. I think they, you know, I think what's, what they can do, um, really well is they're taking this Colombian culture and they want you to understand that these characters are Colombian. And you can tell that by with, you know, the nose shapes, by the eye shapes, whatever it may be. And you know, it's Colombian, but it's Disney style Colombian. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, they can run in a movie with Pocahontas or Jasmine or gosh, freaking Isabella looks like Jasmine. Jasmine. Yep. So they, and I think some people don't like that. I think a lot of people are like, no, I want different. It's like, ah, it's a Disney movie. You understand that they're giving us their films. Again, they want you to know it is their movies. Yeah. They, it is a Disney movie at its core. So I don't know. I love that Disney can find a heritage and put their spin on it, but kind of like perfect it like they want you to know like i go back to coco when i look at those people in coco i'm like oh my gosh those are my cousins those are you know like those are my theas and theos they look like my family and i think that at the end of the day should be what they're going for i yeah. should be able to understand and you know like think that this is going to be walking out of uh, a Mexican city or somewhere in California because we're all Mexican here in California. <laughs> Goodness gracious, there's so many of us. No, but I, I love that Disney has perfected that art style. We're like, hey, clearly it's a Disney movie, yeah. but you know what culture we're, go to Moana. You right. know mm -hmm. what culture we're trying to touch on yeah. in this film. And I think if they got that wrong, you can ruin a film. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, because you you want to lean into n not the stereotypes, but the commonality of yeah. certain cultures or certain certain looks, right? Um, 
you know, and, and uh, I love it because that even me not being from a Hispanic background could still watch this movie and still see family members. You know what I mean? Like see my sisters in these, the sisters that are on screen or see my mom in the mom or in what, um, what's her name? Julieta. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe I got that one right. Uh, you know, but I think that that's what's, that's what's important is to still have that connectivity, that resonance with the characters that you see on screen, regardless of whether or not that's particularly your culture. I know, and I feel like I'm, I may have even said it in this episode. I don't know. It's, it feels like it's been two days. But it's <laughs> like when, you know, I, I always think of how much I like the movie Brave, right? And it's obviously Scottish, but I see a lot of the similarities to Irish culture. And there's a lot of things that they do in there that I'm like, oh, we used to do that too. Right. Um, so you, you still enjoy these characters just because it's, it's an enjoyable character at the end of the day, so long as it's fun and there's little tidbits of things that you feel like are are part of you as an individual mm-hmm. or the people around you, you you enjoy it. Because I don't know, representation matters. <laughs> I know you guys are sick of hearing it, but it's so true. It matters. It makes a big difference. And I'm grateful for Disney to touch on these new stories. And I'm excited to see where they go from here, what we have Red coming out next, right? Yeah. And that one's going to yeah. be um, an Asian character, correct? Or is it, I don't, I would have to look into it. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. yeah but, well, because it's a red panda that she's turning into. Oh, so, love it. Yeah. That so. looks so cute. Oh, there's there's going to be their first uh, Pixar boy band <clears throat> in what? it. Yes. There's a cute <laughs> boy band because she's a teenage girl or like preteen girl and she loves boy bands. K-pop, maybe it's Korean then, but yeah. you know it's huge right now. Um, we've recently got into K-pop. Whoa, 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 whoa! Okay, whoa, whoa, we recently whoa. got into <laughs> we, Butter from <laughs> BTS. Yeah, I was about to say we didn't get into it. We recently listened to <laughs> K-pop. Oh, you don't know what we do when you go home. When you go home, <laughs> when, go when home. you leave, when you leave this house and go to your wait, other what house. What is happening when I'm here? I when mean, you, there are times that I fall asleep in the chair or on the couch, <laughs> and then I wake up because both of my feet are asleep. When you that happens quite often uh when you go to work the kids and i we just bust out dance parties to <laughs> bts butter all the time there's a part of me that's really would not like i'm not surprised. lying <laughs> at all oh i bet you guys do <laughs> i have come home and nobody has greeted me at the door because you are all <laughs> dancing to the music in the kitchen but so. lately it's Encanto music that we're dancing to it has been oh my goodness it has been it has taken over our lives. I think one thing that I've really enjoyed about this too is the fact that we'll listen to the soundtrack and then Winnie will look around to be like, where is the Where's video? Where's the picture? Yeah, yeah, she wants the video. So we have to like pull it up on a phone so she can watch it on the phone. Or like we'll give her the phone, like we'll unlock it, give it to her and she'll pull up Disney+. Plus. She'll pull up Encanto like all by herself. Yep. She knows. She goes right to Encanto. It's the first thing she puts on. We can be watching Encanto on the TV. <laughs> she will find a phone. And put it on the phone just because she can. Yeah. It, I'm not joking. We have Encanto playing on like three screens at a time. It's ridiculous, but it's true. <laughs> so if plays matter to Disney Plus, they're getting a lot of plays just from this house. Y- yes. Just from Winnie. Not even the, the entirety of the household, <laughs> but just from Winnie herself. That's true. Uh, music? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like we've, we've kind of touched on it um, to, you know, to, to some degree. But I, I really do think that... Um, 
with this, and I mean, I don't know if we really want to go like song by song or anything, but that can be a whole episode. It really in itself. could, oh, and we're man. already an hour and ten minutes. So in we'll here. keep it brief. So let me ask you this: What is your favorite song? What was oh, the standout song so for you? So hard. Okay, originally, I immediately had a favorite song, and it was um, "We Don't Talk About Bruno." Yes, just stand out for sure, and it still probably tops for me. But the more we have watched the film, oh, what is um, Isabel's song? Oh, uh, what can I do now? Is that what it's called? Yeah. What can I do now? I think that is my favorite song now. The more I listen to it over and over, that I love it. I don't know. I love her voice. Her voice is very Disney princess to me. Yeah. It's the closest to Disney princess. And I didn't think that mattered, but I don't know. I think it's cute. I like that I can see her going on to be her own Disney princess character (laughs) in in future films. I know she won't be, but I just think that's cute. I like her style. It reminded me, she reminded me of like in Wreck-It Ralph 2 when Pocahontas is standing there yeah, and like her and hair her, still flows. Like yep. that was very much Issa. Uh-huh. Um, I think for me, probably We Don't Talk About Bruno was my my first like standout yeah. song. But I think the um, Pressure song that Louisa yeah. sings like on subsequent listen Surface throughs, Pressure? Or? Yeah, Surface Pressure. I think that one has been more of a standout, be, you know, and um, you and I talked about this a little bit earlier. The uh, the idea of like when you are, you know, quote unquote provider, right, where most most of the income comes from the stupid crap that I do. Um, <laughs> not that you don't also work and contri- contribute into the household, but like monetarily the money hey, that comes in. I know my worth. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you glow. That's not, you know, your worth. Um, but I think it, it there is that pressure where it's like, well, what happens if I lose the job? What happens if the money yeah. stops, stops coming in? What happens if I can't keep a roof over your guys' heads or food in your belly or clothes on your backs? Like there is that that pressure where you don't think about it constantly, mm-hmm. but it is there. Like yeah. it is in the back of your mind, like right. every little thing. When I get in the car to go drive, right, because some of the places I have to go to are an hour plus away mm-hmm. – what happens if I'm in an accident? What happens to you guys? You know, yeah, I have life insurance, but is that going to be enough? Is that going to be to get you guys by? And even then, it's not the money that you guys would miss. It's nope. me. And like yep. not being able to give that love and that, that affection. That is my fear every day. Yeah. And it's it's tough, right? Because you you kind of get that buildup. And the more I've listened to that song, I'm like, F yeah, Louisa, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, girl. I feel you. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's so catchy. It's. Yeah. Very well. I guess all of the songs are very Lin Manuel. You, yeah. they have a sound. A lot of them remind me of a lot of his other work. But I don't look at that as a bad thing. I love it. Why do you return to artists? You yeah. know, who are your favorite artists? Is because they have a sound. Um, you like Green Day because they sound like Green Day. I was literally about to just say that. And yeah. it, it's not that I don't mind when they do something a little bit different, right? Like you listen to Green Day up to Nimrod. And they started to try to do something different. Mm-hmm. And then when they did uh, Warning, they tried some stuff that was a little bit different. And then we were just listening to American, American Idiot. Idiot in the car. And it's like that, even though the sound was still there, mm-hmm. they're trying something new. Heck, with, that's a musical in itself. Yeah. Well, you look at like what <laughs> Lin-Manuel did with In the Heights and then with um, uh, Hamilton, Hamilton and then with Moana. And now yeah. with this, there's always going to be similarities. But yeah. those are the things that you like because you like that writer, that you, artist, that composer. You can talk about yourself. You write music a certain way because that is your style. It's 100%. just the way you write. I can hear a song and I know it's an Honor Bright song or I know it's a Liam song. Like that's, yeah. it's just, it fits you because that's how you hear the music. 
But it's funny, right, that even with that, there's slight differences, right? When you mm-hmm. hear a song that you're like, oh, that's an Honor Bright song versus like, oh, that's, that's a, a Liam, Liam song, song. Yes. or that's a Liam song that he wrote for Honor Bright. Like, yeah. Because even for me, stylistically, my change, my style has changed throughout the years. Like if you go back Definitely. 20 years ago and listen to what I was writing in the early 2000s. It's what you're influenced <clears> by. Pardon me. Or go back to the 90s. Like I actually have recordings of music that I wrote <laughs> in the 90s. Like that's. Guys, that's a whole different century. That was the 1900s and I was writing music. They don't believe you because you're not putting it out for them to listen to. I actually We want those 90s tracks. I actually thought about that. I know I have like three songs from the ska band oh that my I God. did. See, it's also very different styles of music yeah. too. And then Chris, who was like my best friend growing up from like fifth all the way through 12th grade. He was the only person I went to high school with that we invited to mar- to our wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else was from my high school. Um, so Chris, I don't know if you even listen to this, but huge shout out to Chris because he's him Hi, and I Chris. still keep in touch. Like <laughs> we'll still shoot a text off or we did a um, earlier this year, him and I did a Zoom call. That oh was, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. So was that this year or 2020? Um it might have been 2020. Might have been 2020. It was end, I think it was end of 2020. Yeah. So him and I are doing another Zoom call. For so. sure. Um, but yeah, like those songs, and I would love to not even re-record them, but just release them as is so people won't be like, holy crap, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like you see that progression, you see how the writing has changed, mm-hmm. the influence has changed. And I'm sure with Lynn Manuel Miranda, what he was writing. Mm-hmm. early days versus how he writes now, even that has evolved. There will always still be little things mm-hmm. that are very much him because we were pointing those out in the songs. Um, I love it. I love hearing a line and it's, you're like, that's very Lin. I mean, obviously he wrote all the songs. They're yeah. all his songs. It's yeah. very Lynn manuel but there's certain ways that he writes lines that you're like, I've heard this before in another song. And a lot of the songs in Encanto remind me of Hamilton songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple, I, I couldn't even think of the names, but I'll have to go back and listen to Hamilton again, even though I just did that like the other day. <laughs> but we might just have a day of it. A Lin-Manuel day. No, but I think it's interesting that you and I both initially responded positively to the same song. And then mm-hmm. the, on subsequent viewings, we've kind of gravitated to different songs, but both mm-hmm. of which were the sisters. singing their kind of solo song. But going back, originally, I mean, Bruno is, I think, is just such a strong song. I mean, you have like most of the cast in it. So I think that's why it's just a standout. It's just so catchy and like you can't Mm -hmm. help but like dance to it. Before liking Isabella's song, I did love all of Mirabel's songs more than any of the other ones. Like I love the intro song, her um, rapping about the grandkids and yeah. or the the grandkid Grand roundup. roundup, yeah, just you know the speed of like the pure talent that takes of her to sing and then also like bring in the the rapping skills that she you know yeah. had to because that's also very Lin Manuel where it's like hey I'm gonna make you rap in the song sorry it's just <laughs> what you're gonna do it works though it sounds good it's catchy and I think it it brings people from all different types of music genres into it. Cause like who's listening to Colombian music other than maybe Hispanic people? Probably not very many. Yes, there is, but I'm sure a lot of people listening to this don't just regularly listen to cumbias, you yeah. know, like that's probably not a thing, <clears throat> but you me. hear this and it's, more attainable. It's more like, yeah, I can listen to this on the regular. There's so many people. I posted something about Encanto just the other day and so many people responded to it saying, my kids and I listen to this in the car all the time. Some people without kids have said, I am listening to this soundtrack on repeat, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's awesome that the music is what like brings people to these Disney movies. Yeah. So, you know, like I'm a big sucker for like a drum beat and a rhythm. Yeah. Like that's in a song. 
um, to me, a lot of the um, rhythmic practices that were utilized across all of the songs, except for maybe Issa's because hers was very like 90s rock influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, reminded, Why do I like it? Right? Um, <laughs> because it sounded like Alanis Morissette for you. It did. Um, for me, it actually reminded me of the Mars Volta, which oh, okay. in De Laos in the Comatorium, their drummer was a Colombian drummer. Yeah, and the that's reason, awesome. The reason they hired him was because he had those idiocentric rhythms that's awesome. that they definitively wanted for the vibe of the song. So when I listen to that, I'm immediately like, I need to listen to Mars Volta. It's so good. So All right. So what Mars Volta fans are out there listening to Encanto? Oh, like, yep, this is my jam. This, this is, ooh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's super cool. And something I had asked you the other night um, that I wanted you to think about before we recorded was well, – before we oh, get to sorry. that question, because okay. I do want to touch on them, um, not the cast that's singing, but uh, Sebastian uh, Yatra. Oh, yeah, yeah. His song, uh, what is it, Dos Orequitas? Yes. Beautiful. See, I don't even try to say that because you say it so beautifully. So <laughs> I'll, just let you, I'll just let you say that one. So he, oh my gosh, he has a beautiful voice, but the song itself is just so sweet. And it for me, it's I'm not going to get emotional again, but it is a family <laughs> thing for me with butterflies and oh my gosh it just hit all of the heartstrings and so, it does every single time so i'll get into it and you okay. can just silently sob over there and just know i love it guys. yeah in front of your microphone. <laughs> and i cry every time so we've we've had some some recent passes in in our family and uh we were in the backyard at our old house and we have a sega palm that was given to Brittany by her grandmother by remy and awin's great-grandmother and so we would always refer to that Sega Palm as Gigi or as mm-hmm. Gigi's plant, right? For great grandma. And uh, there was a butterfly that came and landed on it. And Remy turned and he goes, look, it's Gigi. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Brittany immediately lost it. <laughs> it was just a complete <laughs> emotional wreck. Um, but we've kind of always associated butterflies with the people in our family that have passed. Uh, so especially for this song and the significance of seeing the butterfly, the mariposa, um, was very was very important to us yep. is the best way I can put it. So uh, I I definitely feel you on that one. And it's it's cool when they can include a song that is not sung by a character. Yeah. That it is just a song that is the ambiance of the scene. And as strong as the other hundred percent. And his, like you said, his voice, not only is it so clean and so pure, but you can feel the want mm-hmm. in, in his tone. Like just, he conveys so much emotion that I was floored mm-hmm. with how good that song is. So yeah, a lot Wait. of really good pieces of music in this Yep, same film. with um, uh, Colombia, Mi Encanto. Yeah, Like that one's so good. If you do not shake your butt every time that comes on, like it's impossible for me not to dance. We were cooking. I have to every time. <laughs> we were cooking in the kitchen this morning. So <laughs> Brittany was making what we used to call huevos rancheros, but it's not. It's... Huevos Mexicana? Is that what you would call it? No, I was looking it up and I'm like, how do I not know what this is called? Because it's just, honestly, it's just eggs and peppers in it. Like, you know, your typical morning breakfast in a Mexican house. But I think I would call it Huevos Rancheros because I didn't know. Yeah. And (laughs) And it's it's definitely not what it was. But she was making that. I'm making my Irish style potatoes. And the song kicks on because we have this Bluetooth um, Marshall amp that Brittany got me for my birthday. You're welcome. Huge shout out to my wife for being super You're awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> right? Uh, so we were listening to the soundtrack of that. And then when Colombia Mia Encanto comes on, I grabbed her hand and I spun myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. He's he's not joking. He spun himself. Yes. He took that lovely moment that could have been and made it Liam. 
Nice. So anything else on the music? Uh, no, I just, it's amazing. And I can, like yes. we said, it can be an episode all in itself. If we break down every single song, which maybe will be a future episode yeah. when we have the time, but it's awesome. And I love that Disney does that. And like we said, we tend to gravitate towards the Disney films that have the soundtracks that you would want to listen to over and over. We did this same thing with Moana. And I think before that, I can't even remember. Well, you got to figure like we've had movies like Zootopia, Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't Wreck very and many. Ralph, you had Frozen. Yeah, you but, had Frozen. But Frozen soundtrack is amazing. Yes, I know people will kill me if I say <laughs> it's not the best. But it's good. But I will take Moana and Encanto oh, yeah. soundtrack over Frozen 1 and 2 soundtrack any single day. Yep, yep. I will I will actually go one step further. I will stack the best song on Frozen 1 and 2 against <laughs> the worst, quote unquote, worst song on Moana or Encanto. And I will still take Moana and yeah. Encanto over Frozen. So Which Frozen was still amazing. It's just that just shows how like these the soundtracks, both of them are just heavy hitters. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Ask me your question. Okay, I want to ask this question because this will probably be kind let's of the finale. Let's try to get finale. it under an hour yeah, and we'll, a half. Yeah, we'll get, this will be someone of the finale. So I'd asked you if you could pick a superpower from one of the family members. So any one of the family members, and that would be your power. What would you pick? But okay. before you answer, I want. I also wanted you to try to su- like decide which one you think I would, you pick. would pick. So first I want you to tell me what you think I would pick, and then I'm going to tell you what I think you would pick, and then we would say whether the if person was, was right, right or, not. or what you would actually pick. Hmm, hmm. That's tough. So I'm like between two for you. I feel like there's one. You go first. Okay. You pick mine so first. So for me, and same thing, there was two that I think would be very much the the ones for you. Okay. Um, but I settled on the one that I think fits you more in general. And that is Antonio's power. The power to speak to animals. Okay. I think that would be your go-to. My secondary, the one that was kind of like the, oh, I could see her doing this one. Julieta's. Because you love to be able to care for people. And I think you having the ability to heal somebody mm-hmm. with something as simple as food yeah. would be very much in your wheelhouse. But I gravitated more towards the the Antonio uh, because I, I do think that you would prefer being able to, to talk to animals. Okay. Okay, go for me. So for you, I think it would be Luisa because I feel like the strength part <laughs> is just... I think you would want that. Like you were talking about being, you know, the carrier of this family. Like, hey, we rely on you. Heck, that song is about you. They wrote, they wrote it. <laughs> it pretty much. They is. asked for your advice on that song. That's true. And I do wear a skirt, so <laughs> but we call it a kilt she, in my culture. <laughs> she has, she does have bigger biceps than you, though. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Who doesn't at this point? <laughs> They're bigger than your head. <laughs> anyway, so that's where I went to first, and I might stick with that one. I think that's where it is. I feel like you would like. Bruno's powers, though. Mm. I think you would like his powers, but I think you would want Luisa's powers. Gotcha. And I could be completely wrong with this. Okay, so answer for me first. What do you think? (gasps) So if Antonio is your answer, you were right. Yeah. Heck yeah, I want to talk to animals. I freaking (laughs) love animals. So he'd be number one for sure. But I don't think Julieta would be as close. No, because 
I like to cook, but I don't love to cook. True. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of it that it heals people. But it could be anything. Like you could literally make anything. Here's your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, I'm serious. Like it doesn't have to be something that's like authentically Hispanic. Uh, I think it has to be. You could literally be like, here's cheese on a Ritz cracker. Like, <laughs> um, sorry, your foot's broken. It <laughs> says her recipes are remedies. Yeah, so I, I think it has to be a you recipe. There you go. Anyway, and that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I'd rather just be able to talk to the birds and the squirrels and the trees outside. And just tell them to make the food. Wash your hands first. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. We have so many squirrels in our neighborhood. Anyway, so yes, you were right. It would be Antonio. Cool. Oh, but it wouldn't be Julieta. It would probably tie between Isa because she could grow things. Come on. That's cool. Um, Because then she can grow food. Like yeah, growing yeah. plants, you know, she's technically the gardener of the whole freaking town. That's pretty intense. Um, or Peppa. Oh, control the weather. Yep. And you are Come from on, a storm. I love storm. Yeah, you love storm. So it would be. So it'd be, be a tie between those two, but Antonio, easily. Yeah. Yeah. I saw his power and I'm like, yes, nice. Kid. So it's funny because you saying Luisa, I was like, oh, you're right. You know what? Super oh, strength. And she it. does allude to the fact that she's like impervious. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. that she, her skin is also incredibly strong. Uh, Bruno would be my first choice. Oh, okay. So, because, so and, I was not far off. No, not far off at all. Um, but it, it'd be mostly because, think about it, I'm the one that always likes to read ahead like on Wikipedia mm, and books and whatnot. I like to know what's going to happen. Yeah, he does. So for me, being able to see the future, I would actually really enjoy that. But my second one would actually be Camilo. I would love oh, to shapeshift. No, yes. Would that, love there to you shapeshift. go. Shapeshift. I was like, no, that f- serves your character very well. Yeah. I think being silly and. But the only problem would be is I would definitely stand. In, I would like give myself boobs and I would stand in the mirror and be like, <laughs> oh my God, these are awesome. So I mean. I've got girl boobs. Yeah. There's, <laughs> check it out. I have girl boobs. So that, that would probably be my my second choice. But uh, Louisa, that's actually it's giving me pause. I'm having to rethink myself. I think yeah, Bruno Camilla would fit sure. you too. <laughs> for sure. But. Bruno's an awesome character. I love I, him. And you feel so bad for him. So I'm glad that he he is uh, he's had redemption towards the end of the exactly. oh, 100%. <laughs> the film. When he and it'd be cool because that way you could talk to the in. rats that are on my back. So we're, <laughs> we're good. Don't eat those. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. So we're just under an hour and a half right now. Uh, I would say from both of us, you absolutely should not miss Encanto. I think this is a must watch. Must. Um, and it's so simple now because it's not even that you have to go to the theater. No. You can watch this in the privacy of your home. So I would highly, highly recommend it. That is a huge regret for me that we did not see this in theaters. Agreed. I think this is one that would have been perfect to take Gosh, Minnie to yeah. for her to like have a theater experience and sit and actually watch it. Because yep. she did. She sat and watched that movie. She watched it. She still watches it over and over. She sings the songs, so, guys. She sings to... Bruno. Yeah, yeah. We don't talk about Bruno because she'll do the no, no, no. It's and then she does the hand gestures that Peppa does (laughs) for um, the clouds. It's so cute. (sighs) Man, regrets. Regrets. But we are living in a pandemic, so things aren't as easy as they used to be when we were just in the theater every other week. Yeah, and we really were. Um, what we did want to say, because we're going to release this on New Year's Eve, so everybody, uh, since we didn't get to chat with you before the holidays or before Christmas, we hope that your holidays were wonderful and we hope that uh, 2022 is the best year yet. Now that we're closing the chapter on 2021, and as always, we keep moving forward uh, and we appreciate you guys coming in and listening to us ramble on, especially for a slightly more extended episode. So, for my beautiful wife, Brittany, I'm Liam, and this is Hilt Radio, trying to make the world a better place.
Need even more Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars in your life? Be sure to visit our website at hiltradio.com for more magic like our blogs, videos, merch, and access to our archive of episodes. That's hyltradio.com. See you real soon.